0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you all here. And uh, if you are visiting with us, welcome. I hope you will feel uh, comfortable here at Heritage. And, um, and, and be sure to stop by, as Scott mentioned, at the Welcome Center. We'd love to get to know you. We have a gift for you. And then I want to add as well my uh, greetings to our college students they are scattered all about, and any parents that may be here as well. We're glad you are here. And uh, we want to be of service to you as we're able to do that in any way, so please don't hesitate to, to ask if you have questions. So it's great to, to be here, um, and, and we're just going to dive in. I, I don't know what comes to your mind or who comes to your mind when you think about famous sets of brothers, and that may be... Uh, an age-generated kind of thinking, depending on who you think about or don't, but uh, the Marx Brothers, right? Some of you may think of them, and everybody, well, not everybody, a generation would know Groucho Marx, and there were four other brothers, I won't go into, the Wright Brothers, right? The guys who invented flying the airplane, right? The Wright Brothers. How about uh, the Brothers Grimm? Anybody know those fairy tales, right? How about um, Jesse and Frank James? Now, we're going back to some of those old TV westerns. I don't even know if anybody knows still. But uh, again, uh, I have another one for you. Uh, John Robert and Ted Kennedy. John F. Kennedy, our 35th president. There's three brothers. How about Peyton and Eli Manning? Now I get a different generation here, right? I'm not a Giants fan. I'm sorry. They're the only brothers that I knew that were, I guess there are others in professional football, but let's go to the Bible. How about Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel as brothers, or Jacob and Esau. We remember that crazy situation and the conflict that ensued there. How about Joseph and his 11 brothers? What a bunch of good guys, huh? Sold them into slavery. Wow, I mean, good grief. you got to be kidding. Brothers like that, who needs enemies? But uh, God used that in an amazing way. How about Moses and Aaron? Yeah. And then there is Peter and Andrew, James and John, right? Four of the first disciples or or the apostles that Jesus handpicked. And then there may be those that you don't know as well. But how about Jude and his brother James? Now, we've been studying the book of Jude, and uh, Jude verse 1 says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. That's the James who wrote the book of James that we have near the end of the New Testament. It's also the James who was the first pastor in the church of Jerusalem after Acts chapter 2. And we're told about there, and of course, a third brother there would have been Jesus. Jesus was the brother of Jude. And James. And Jude's brother James wrote this in James chapter 5 and verses 19 to 20. And it says this, have it on the screen or if you want to look it up or mark it, check it out later. But my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, We've been talking about wandering from the truth. We've been talking about those who are abandoning the faith. Jude puts, or James puts it this way. If some, one of you, he's talking about believers. Brothers and sisters, if one of you, one of you who know Jesus, wanders from the truth and someone should bring that person back, who would that someone be? Another believer, a brother and a sister that James is talking to. Then he says, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Wow. And this is about Jesus. You see, we can get all hung up in, well, I don't know if I know enough to talk to somebody who may be walking away from his faith or abandoning the truth or wandering from the truth or It may be, uh, I'm really concerned for that person and I'm praying for them, but I don't know what to do. And folks, that's all well, and we're going to talk about some of those things that we can do that Jude tells us we ought to do, but I got to tell you, this is all about bringing people to Jesus Christ. And it is all about those who James says, brothers and sisters of one of you should wander. Whoever turns, in other words, one of you ought to go out and seek to turn that individual from the error of his way. It's still not about us. Why? To bring them back to Jesus. It is about Jesus. And it's critical that we don't get lost in whether or not we feel good about doing that. We don't want to stick our nose in business where it doesn't belong. And, and you know, there they say two things we don't talk about, religion and politics. Well, cross the religion off the off your page because right here James says no absolutely we see somebody walking away from their faith wandering from the truth of the word of God we who know Jesus need to go get them because it's about Jesus not us remember the theme of Jude contend for the faith stand against false teachers those who would would deny the authority of the word of God and what the Bible has to say and Stand against, contend for the truth. Stand against false teaching, not just the false teachers. And apostate, we've talked about that here. And as we are going to wrap up our study in Jude today, And as we've been talking all along, those who are false teachers, those who are leading others to walk away from the truth, uh, uh, from walking away from the faith that James in verse 3, or Jude in verse 3 says, that was once entrusted, given to us as those who know Jesus. The saints, apostate is a person who claims to know and follow Jesus, but somewhere along the way abandons their faith. Somewhere Somewhere along the way turns their back on the truth. Of the word of God. And uh, Jude has been talking about. So I got to ask you this question. As we start today. Does it bother you? Does it bother you? When people that you know and love. Your brothers and sisters. In Jesus. Those who you may have sat next to. Right here. For a year. Or five. Or ten or more. Does it bother you when those you know and love who once walked with God, who once followed Jesus, abandon the faith and walk away from the truth? Does that bother you? If I was to ask for a show of hands this morning as to how many of you sitting here know somebody who once claimed to know Jesus Christ but has now abandoned the faith, wandered from the truth, no longer following Jesus. I think most of us, if not all of us, would raise our hand. So does it bother you? How should we respond to that? James gave us an answer. And we're going to see this morning that Jude gives us an answer as well. What are we going to do? about it. Now these brothers and sisters need spiritual help. And this kind of spiritual help, this brother to brother, sister to sister, believer to believer, that kind of spiritual help that's necessary only comes from followers of Jesus Christ who are mature, And growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. As we say it here at Heritage, our mission is to make more people more like Jesus. And if you're going to be more like Jesus, and you know somebody who is wandering or has wandered away, you have the responsibility to reach them for Christ to become more like Jesus. And we say it this way, if we're gonna be more like Jesus, there's three things that matter here at Heritage, three things that we want everything that we do to to fall under. If we're gonna do this specific ministry or that specific program, or we're gonna set up this activity on a Sunday or do this next week or that, the following, whenever it may be, it better fall under one of these areas that it needs to help us grow up in our relationship with God. Jude just talked about that a few verses back when we looked at that three weeks ago. Grow up in our relationship with God. Become more like Jesus by knowing the Word of God, His truth. Secondly, we need to be growing deep in our relationship with one another. Members of the body of Christ right here at Heritage. Knowing one another. We tend in our society, our culture today, to have very shallow relationships. Nobody wants to know each other. Do you know one of the greatest problems in our country right today? Everybody's writing about it is loneliness. Loneliness. Yeah, right here sitting in this auditorium today, I guarantee you there are some people that are struggling with being lonely. That ought not to be amongst God's people because we have a responsibility to grow deep in our relationship with one another, not shallow relationships, not, you know, the inch deep, mile wide kind of stuff, but deep. And then thirdly, our responsibility to grow out in our relationship with people who do not know Jesus. We have responsibilities those who do know him to reach out to tell those who do not know about Jesus. They need to hear. We have our an outreach strategy. What is that, folks? Oh boy. Come on, don't be shy. What what real simple. What is it? PI squared. Thank you. Yeah, PI squared. Pray, invest, invite, right? That's not unique to us. It's a, We think it's a great way to remember our responsibility, intentionally pray for people who do not know Jesus, and then intentionally invest in their lives by pouring into them, whatever that may be, giving them time, making it a point to, to get to know them, to build relationships with people who need Jesus. And then the invitation, the invite, pray, invest, invite. The third is the opportunity. You invite them to your home. You invite them to a a get-together with God's people. You invite them to a Sunday morning. You invite them wherever. Ultimately, God willing, you're going to have the opportunity to invite them to know Jesus Christ as Savior, huh? That's why we're here. And, and that's what Jude is saying. We need to be reaching to those who have wandered from the truth. We need to do something about it. So open your Bibles with me this morning to Jude. Jude. And, and if you don't have a Bible with you, you would like to follow along with a hard copy underneath the chair close to you somewhere. Underneath the chair in front of you should be a Bible. And in that Bible, it's page 860. Page 860, the book of Jude. And uh, we, a couple of weeks ago, went through uh, verses 17 to 21, and I just want to read those. So Jude 17, in your Bibles, your tablet, your uh, phone, wherever you are reading your copy of the Word of God, verse 17 of Jude, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Now, this is a point where they do not have the Spirit, where they've walked away from God. We would have at one point thought they knew Jesus, but no longer. In fact, Jude says, no, they don't have the Spirit. If they don't have the Spirit, they're not following Christ. They're not saved. They're not a believer. All right, verse 20. But you, dear friends... By building yourselves up in your most holy faith. There it is. Growing up in your relationship with God. That's what Jude is saying. And praying in the Holy Spirit. That's part of that growing up. Keep yourselves in God's love. We talked about that as being a matter of obedience to God. Jesus did that. He said, I've kept myself in my Father's love and you ought to do the same thing. We said, that's being like Jesus. Jesus. And then he goes on, he says, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life, as we anticipate, as we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ at the rapture, to take those of us who know him right now, the church, to be to heaven with him. Woo-hoo, man, huh? Amen. Wow. (laughs) Folks, are you with it? (laughs) But that's what we ought to be excited about. That ought to drive us. In everything we do. When we get out of bed in the morning. We had to be thinking about that. And Jude is talking about training yourselves to be godly there. That's what's going on. Being godly in the relationship with other people. And godly enough to reach people who don't know Christ. But here's the verses we're going to end with today. Verses 22 to 25. We're going to really zero in on verses 22 and 23. We've been using verses 24 and 25 at the end of each of our services because it's a benediction. Talking about to the God who is able to keep us from falling. So look at verse 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now, Jude just got done talking to the believers there by saying, hey, friends, brothers, sisters, he says, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Grow in your relationship with God and pray for one another. Obey, keep yourselves in God's love. Excitedly anticipate and... The return of Jesus Christ. And and then he says, and I want you to know as you care for yourself, then here's what you need to be doing to others, for others. First of all, be merciful to those who doubt. And I want you to notice as we dig into these two verses this morning, the response that Jude instructs God's people to display towards those who are wandering from the truth. Those who are wandering from the truth. Jude gives us some ways that we need to respond. And I want you to be thinking, how are you doing with that? What are you doing about those who you know have wandered, they're gone, or wandering still in the process? Because Jude really addresses both of those here. And so the first one is there in verse 22. Our first response needs to be mercy. Mercy. Be merciful to those who doubt. You see, our responses here that Jude is giving us are based upon uh, the degree to which people are wandering from the truth. And you'll see what I mean as we walk through that. There's a progression away from the truth. There's a progression away from God. And each response gets a little more serious because each of the progressions of the individuals he's talking about are moving further away from God. So this is the first group of people, those who doubt. Wavering. The word doubt has to do with people who are wavering in what they believe. People who are unstable. People who are saved but not grounded. And that may be because they're recent converts. They've just come to know Jesus Christ in the last weeks or months or year and and haven't really been growing at this point yet. And so they're wavering. They're they're, they're not necessarily antagonistic to the truth, but they're just not sure. And so there's doubt, there's questions, and, and, and they're struggling with what should I believe? I hear conflicting messages as I listen to what's going on out there. And as I talk to other people, it's not always the same thing I hear or read about in the Bible. So they're doubting. It may be people who have been saved for years but have been so caught up in false teaching or so influenced by people who are also wandering away. And and so they're struggling. They've been negatively influenced. And Jude says they need mercy from us who have our feet on the ground, who aren't wandering, who battle, yes, who at times face questions and doubt, but who dig back into the Word of God and say, there's my answer. That's what I know to be true. And I'm going to grab hold of it and hold on to it. And it's the same kind of mercy that we who know and love Jesus and follow him received when we trusted Christ the Savior. When Jesus Christ came into our lives and changed us. He transformed us. When we understood that because of our sin... There was only one way to solve that problem and and take away the barrier that existed between God and us. And that was that Jesus had to die in our place for our sins. And when we believe, we're changed, we're saved, we're forgiven. And and we need to show that same mercy to those who are wavering, to those who are doubting, to those who are struggling with their faith and what they believe in. Folks... I got to say, and I don't think this is a secret to anybody here today, but this doesn't always come easy for God's people. We're just not. Some are more than others, certainly. But mercy is a hard thing for us to show. You see, sometimes we are very condemning. Sometimes we're more prone to blasting people. Hey, don't you know what the Bible says? Boom! And we hit them over the head with it, right? Right? That's not mercy. Now, there may be a time for that, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But we need to understand when Jude says we need to be merciful, he's talking about compassion. He's talking about the love of God being shown to these people. He's talking about kindness. He's talking about patience. Man, aren't you glad that God is patient with us and that God is compassionate towards us? And that God loves us. Because as we're dealing with people who have walked away from their faith as they're struggling, sometimes they're like immature believers or they are immature believers. Immature believers are like little children who don't know the difference between right and wrong, but think that they do. And, and, and when you teach... Kids, your kids, or brothers and sisters, or when you can remember when you were younger and thought you knew what was right or wrong, but your parents or somebody else said, no, that's not right. And, and we get all upset sometimes when we think we're right and we're wrong. And, and we need to remember that's where these people are. These doubters are struggling. And understand too that false teachers prey on grumblers, complainers, fault finders, We've got to remember that doubters can tend to be there. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 16. Go back to verse 16, and here's what Jude says. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. And the devil knows how to get into people when they're struggling with doubt and bring complaining and grumbling and fault finding and that's what we need to recognize and we as believers what I've talked about this book I, I just mentioned it again to you there's a book entitled Christians in an Age of Outrage subtitled How to Bring Our Best When the World is at Its Worst Christians in an Age of Outrage folks we live in an angry world huh? You try to have a discussion with somebody with whom you disagree. There's no more of this, let's agree to disagree. Absolutely not. You see it my way or you're, you're out of here. And we as believers haven't been a whole lot of help in that situation many times. Just take a look at Facebook and the stuff that God's people put out there. Whew. I'm not sure there's a lot of mercy at times. But the second response, not just mercy to those who doubt, but secondly, save others by snatching them from the fire. Verse 23, Jude continues, save others. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Now, this response is to those who are further down the path of wandering from the truth. They're not just doubting. They've gone well down that path of walking away from God. And they've been more deeply influenced and bought into more of the false teaching. In fact, they're on the verge. They're on the edge of the cliff, maybe holding on, maybe about to fall over, very close to falling over. And Jude says our response must be one of urgency. One of urgency. He says snatching them from the fire. There's no time to hesitate. Brothers and sisters in Christ, remember what James said? If any of them wander from the truth and you go and rescue them, you go and bring them back, you've saved them. Well, that's the same thing as Brother Jude is saying. Snatching them from the fire. This is a desperate situation that they're in. It's not a time to be concerned about being tactful. Now, I... Don't go walking out of here saying, oh, Glenn said that uh, it's okay if I, you know, punch you in the face because you're walking away from God. Or if I just yell at you in front of everybody and mock you because you're walking away from God. No, that's not what I said. I'm talking about the person who's ready to fall over the cliff, hanging on by his fingernails, and they need to be rescued. There's a fire waiting to consume them. We don't have time to be shy or tactful. We need to grab hold of them. Let me illustrate. Genesis chapter 18 and 19. Genesis chapter 18 and 19. If you'll grab hold of that. Or, or take a look in your Bible, um, or, or just write it down and check it out later. These are two great chapters, amazing chapters that we get there as we, as we look at uh, Abraham and his working for Lot. Chapter 18 is when, if you remember, Abraham prayed to God about not destroying the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because not Lot was there. And he didn't want to see Lot caught up in that. And so he has this prayer with God that I've described as let's make a deal. Because that's what Abraham did. But he could pray to God like that. He didn't let it out. He didn't hold back. He wasn't shy in what he was asking God to do. He was asking God to spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah despite their sin. And he got down to, okay, God, if there's ten righteous people there, will you not destroy it? And God said, okay. But there weren't. And then we get to chapter 19, and we're in Sodom and Gomorrah. And we look down at uh, at verse 12. And what we find out is the two angels were there, and, and he protect, they protected Lot from the men of the city who wanted to have sex with these two angels. They didn't know they're angels. And, and so the angels blinded all of them and, and pulled Lot out. And then we get to verse 12 of Genesis 19. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here. Do you sense the intensity, the urgency? Get them out of here, verse 13, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against the people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. (laughs) What? They thought he was joking. Is this a time for tact? Is this a time for shyness and hesitance look at verse 15 with the coming of dawn the angels urged lot saying hurry take your wife and your two daughters who are here or you or you will be swept away when the city is punished verse 16 when he hesitated lot hesitated what did the angels do the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city he snatched them out of the fire And that's what Jude's telling us we need to do as well. That's our responsibility. As those who know and follow Jesus to our brothers and sisters in Christ who have wandered from the truth. That's what Jude is saying. And then he gives us the last responsibility or the last response. Mercy with fear. Verse 23, to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained. By corrupted flesh this last group of people seem to be gone already you almost feel like all hope is lost because of the warning because of the way Jude says we're to respond to that kind of person these may be the ones who have already been teaching false teaching they they may be over the cliff and they're in danger and yet Jude never gives up and he's saying to you and I who know Jesus, never give up. Had the opportunity to do a funeral yesterday. Some of you remember a number of years back, my neighbor Will would sit right over here behind where Jane and I sit. I had numerous opportunities. I mean, in-depth opportunities to share the gospel with Will. And I think he may have trusted Christ. I don't know. But he died on July 6th. His fiance called me and asked me if I'd come do the funeral. So we drove over to Newburgh, New York, yesterday afternoon, and, and I did the funeral. As far as I know, there was nobody there that knew Jesus Christ. But they heard the gospel. They may be gone, they may be lost, but they heard the gospel. And his fiance sent Jane and I a note and a card said, pray. He had three daughters, pray for the girls and me. And we're doing that. And we're going to keep doing that. We've been doing that. And it may look hopeless. It may look helpless. But, folks, that's what we're to do. Because even the, when it appears they've made their choice to walk away from God, to reject God, we need to go after them. Mercy with fear. That fear is caution. Be careful that you don't get caught up with their sin. That's always been a warning. We sometimes, as believers, think that we're above that. That that person, they're caught in their sin, but I, I'm, I'm above that. I don't have to worry about me. And, and, and James is saying, no, show mercy mixed with fear. Be careful. Don't get caught up in this. Many a would-be rescuer of a drowning person themselves have drowned. Right? You've heard those stories? That's what Jude is talking about here. We must be on our guard guard that we don't get sucked in. Galatians 1, when Paul says, hey, if any of you see a brother overtaken by sin, you who are walking with the Spirit, restore them. Go after them. But be careful that you don't also fall. That's always the warning, and that's what Jude is saying. And he says there, as he says, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. I think that's a reference to the Old Testament Levitical concern about leprosy and and what the priests had to do with lepers. And and if they checked that all kinds of tests, and you could go back to to Leviticus 13 and 14 and read all about it, And, and yet sometimes they're they're undergarments in a sense. They're under the regular clothes. Their gown they would wear there would get stained, but nobody would see it. And it was the job of the priest to find out if there was any ongoing uh, infection, leprosy. And if there was, the garments had to be burned. The garments in Scripture, clothes in Scripture represent our spiritual Uh, standing before God, and, and we talk about putting on righteousness and taking off unrighteousness. That's because clothing represents a spiritual condition. And James is saying you need to hate that sin, and you need to be careful that maybe it's not seen and not known, but it's there. So what's the bottom line? Again, I have to say to you this morning, the bottom line, it's about Jesus. Yes, we're concerned about those who have wandered or are wandering from the truth, and we need to be concerned about God's people who need to be obedient and reach lost people or wandering people, but it's all about Jesus. That's why. That ought to be the single motivating factor for you and I who know Jesus, who are walking with him, but also know people who are struggling, who are wavering, or maybe they're really close to the edge or they've gone over the edge. We need to reach them for the glory of God. So what are we going to do about those who've wandered away or are wandering away? What are we going to do? What are you? going to do we just saw what james said be merciful you got to be urgent and you got to show mercy with fear but let me give you some four practical things i think that steps number one i think you need to pray in the holy spirit james mentioned that in verse 20 praying in this holy spirit we need to pray led by the spirit of god And don't say, well, you know what? God hadn't stirred my heart about that brother or sister who's wandering from the truth. Oh, he he did right here. Because if you read your Bible, you don't have to have any specific conviction. That's our responsibility. Pray for people who are wandering from the truth or have wandered away. Pray. Be directed by the Spirit of God. For mercy, with urgency. Secondly, we must aggressively pursue them with truth. What truth? The truth of the Word of God. That's why Jude said in verse 3 that we've got to contend for the faith. We've got to give it all we got. We've got to stand for the truth. And we've got to use that faith, that truth, to help these people who are struggling aggressively pursue them. Not just, well, yeah, I know they're in trouble, but I'll get to it. No, we've got to go after them, folks. The return of Jesus is sooner, sooner than we think. Thirdly, we must search the scriptures. We've got to study it for the answers. See, sometimes we just don't know the Word of God well enough to feel comfortable in talking to people that are struggling with what they believe. We've got to dig into the Word of God. Jude's already talked about that. That's part of the contending for the faith. You can't contend for the faith if you don't know the faith. We've got to know the Word, we've got to take the time. We've got time for everything. We get time to sit down and watch a ball game. We get time to, to take our kids to ball games. We got time to do to, to, to do all kinds of things. Not that those things are wrong. But we do have time. We have to figure out what matters most to God and what matters most to that person wandering from the truth. And then lastly, we've got to give them hope. We've got to give them hope. We know hope. We have hope. It's the hope that you and I know because we know Jesus. And we've got to give them that same hope. How do you do that? Tell them your story. Tell them about the hope that you have in Jesus. And I I want you to see this as we close with this. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We always look at verse 15, and that's where I want to end. But if you look at verses 8 to 15, this is what Peter is saying. The same Peter who talked earlier, or talks in 2 Peter, about false teachers and false teaching. And he says, verse 8, 1 Peter 3, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called... May mean we could go on. And it's like Peter's saying the same thing Jude has been. We need to be treating one another as if we were like Jesus because that's what we're supposed to be. But with all of that, and you can keep read through the text and see all of what Peter's saying. But look at verse 15. And verse 15 says, But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Honor Christ as the Lord of your life, the master of your life. Put him in that place. Make sure he is your master, Lord of your life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. What he doesn't say is be prepared to give an answer to everyone Who asks you all the hard questions in the Bible. He doesn't say be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you about what dispensationalism is. He says be ready to give an answer to those who ask the reason for the hope that you have. If you know Jesus you know about hope. You've experienced that hope. You're looking forward to the return of Jesus. That's what we call the blessed hope, Paul says. But we tell them about the hope we have. We let them know the struggles that we have. And we let them know that we find hope in Jesus. That's what you is saying. We must pray in the Spirit. It takes intentionality. We must aggressively pursue them with the truth. we got to search the scriptures for the answers and the hope that those that are wandering are struggling without. And then we need to give them that hope. Let them know that there's answers. And that hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how we pursue those who are wandering from the truth. That's what Jude says, and he ends with that great benediction. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, you could say falling away, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That's God's desire. That's Jude's desire. But that's what Jesus, we're told in Ephesians 5, is going to present us faultless before our God. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. God bless. We need you. We need you to continue to stand strong and true for the faith that you've delivered to us. God, help us to contend for the faith. Help us to show mercy to those who are doubting and struggling and wavering. Help us to go after aggressively those who are just hanging on the edge. Who are struggling to hold on and they're wandering from the truth. The truth that will change and save them. And God, even for those who have gone over the edge. Maybe don't know Jesus, but maybe do. And yet, God help us to love them the love of God through Jesus Christ, for it's in his name I pray, amen.